Pam. Hi. Hi, Darren. You're listening to Obsessed with Homes. Two cousins, Mare and Pam, keeping it real about real estate. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. I know it's been a while since you've heard from us. Uh, there were some things that were going on, and as you probably already know, the real estate market is a little bananas. So while we've been recording, I hadn't had time to do any real production work, which kind of turns all of our insanity that we speak into the microphone into an actual product. Uh, but we really needed to go to market with this one because it was very timely. This episode is going to be with Nick Lewis, and he is a loan officer, and he's going to be talking the hottest topic in real estate, and that's interest rates. So we hope you enjoy it. We really knocked it out of the park with this one because he has got the world's best voice. I mean, seriously, and he's not too shabby to look at either. Anyway, we hope you enjoy it. And we'll check you in a bit. All right. So I'm going to let Pam kick it off because she brought this idea to the table about a good way to get to know somebody. Yes. So a good way to know someone, Nick, put you on the spot. What is your favorite movie? Oh, my favorite movie is Jaws, hands down. Since I was probably eight, eight or nine years old, it was my favorite movie. It, It came out. Three years before I was born, and for some reason, I don't know if I caught it on like the old TBS uh, reruns back in the day, but that's been my favorite movie forever, and my kids don't get it because it's so fake and it's not scary, which I think is full of, they're full of crap. That's good stuff for me. That's funny because usually tells a lot of people about somebody with, you know, their favorite movie and stuff, and yours is Jaws, so about you and Killer Shark. what that tells about (laughs) me, but (laughs) (laughs) I used to draw Jaws all the time. I drew little books of Jaws, and yeah, it was awesome. I still love, I, I probably watch it at least twice a year. So what is it about Jaws? I, I don't know. I think I think uh, Captain Clint, I think, is awesome. His his uh, whole monologue that he does on the boat late at night when they're all sitting around drinking is phenomenal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the, I, I don't know, some, it, it's probably just nostalgia from being a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was scary as a kid. And back then they didn't have this, the same graphics and, uh, um, you know technology that they have today so just just the the coolness of them actually building a shark that broke down every eight minutes when they were trying to film exactly was fun so i just just and then not seeing it the whole time was brilliant it was sort of that starting of horror movies where they didn't really show the killer until later in the movie because they want to have built some sort of suspense and i think spielberg was awesome when he came to making that movie. right that that movie scared mm-hmm. the fire out of me <laughs> really i'm sure yeah and yeah it looked my mom it looked was, real. It was at, when I was, because I'm older, but it looked real to me. Now it does not. I get your kid's point of view with all the CGI nonsense that's happening. Like, uh, Yeah, um, they're into like it and all this sort of new, the new age versions of it, not the old right? one. But, you know, with, with crazy CGI and everything looks pretty real and they still even laugh, which is good, I guess. Yeah. They don't need to be terrified. Right. <laughs> and Jaws was filmed out in like, yeah. Massachusetts. I remember that. Like around the time my mom and dad were there and like dad was scared to swim in the water because, you know, the great white sharks, even though it was a mechanical one that, yeah, broke down every eight minutes, like you said. So. Yeah, it broke down. <laughs> like, it was, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. That's why, that's why I didn't show it most of the movie. They had intentions to show it more often. I'm not sure I heard that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it broke down. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I get. It was a documentary. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> 
I, I went to like Universal Studios or something. I think someone told me about it because they had the whole Jaws thing where they come up and they, you know, like attack it's you. It's gone. Like, oh, it's gone? Did it break down? <laughs> yeah, because. Yeah, no, they, well, they, they swapped it out for something else. I forget oh. what's there now. We were just there a few months ago, but I can't remember. Yeah, we went to Universal and I didn't see it. We went in August. Florida, well, we went to the California one's different then because I went to the California one. No, I, we went to the California one. And didn't have it? Oh. Yeah, they're both gone. I went to the Orlando one in like October. Oh. It's been gone a few years because I was there four or five years ago and it was gone as well. Oh. It's a sad day now. Thanks for ruining my whole day, Nick. Well, you know, I need to I need to <laughs> double check with Daniel and Chloe though, because my brain doesn't function the way it used to. So shoot, it may have been there. I know that well, they no, talked it, about it uh-huh. in the California one. I know yeah. they talked about it. Huh. Well, now we got some googling to do. And they may have your just, favorite movie. They probably have the props around. I was going to say they may have just mentioned it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. sadly, I don't think my kids would know what Giles was. Oh, I was, Nick, they got lost in the on. Harry Potter section, of course. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Oh, yeah, we love yeah. that. I haven't done that part yet. Yeah, they were there. The... You have to go. I just finished reading, listening to all seven books. Oh, really? Like about three weeks ago, I finished it. Yeah, I that's love awesome. it. Yeah, that's the second or third time I've listened to Those... it. It's like one of the only books I've read is the first Harry, first one. I didn't get messed up. I don't read. So good. <laughs> Those, those, uh, they were yeah, really I read cool. all those when, yeah, I remember sitting on, on my couch when we first moved to Reston, Virginia, and reading the last one, like sh- almost straight through, and almost like it was, probably took me a day and a half to get through oh that God. thing because I was excited. And then if you read it that fast, then you're, it's over with, and you're like, ah, there's no one to hold on to. Right. Well, it's a little yeah. disappointing. You're like, I really want to finish, don't want to finish, mm-hmm. really want to finish, don't want to finish. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's yeah, Mayor's a reader too. You guys are readers. I'm not. I am. I don't. I know. I don't oh, read. I listen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's all books on tape now. I, yeah. yeah. I, I used to like to read, but then the kids came along and I read to them and then had to be a professional and, you know, yes. no time for reading. Right. Now you read numbers. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So yeah. speaking mm. of that, great segue. Right? Look at that. So. Oh, clever. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, Nick, uh, why don't you formally introduce yourself? Name, rank, serial number, that kind of thing. I don't have an official rank, but um, <laughs> Badass. I guess if you call loan officer as a rank. Hey, I'm Nick Lewis <laughs> uh, with Atlantic Coast Mortgage here up in uh, the uh, Fredericksburg area. And I've been a loan officer since 2013 officially on my own, but I've been in the business since like late 2005, working in various departments at the at, uh, George Mason Mortgage at one point, and then when we opened up Atlantic Coast Mortgage, I came over um, with like eight or ten people, and we've kind of grown from there. Been doing it since. Awesome. So, so you've seen a lot then. I was doing a little bit of yes. research this morning um, because I think I bought my first house in two thousand three ish, somewhere along in there, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. so that's my extent of mortgages. That and hearing and knowing that my parents mortgage was in the teens like their interest rate was in the yes, teens right yeah yeah like, you know when i was at uh before like george mason mortgage i was in the the department where we like set the rate sheet for people for the loan officers and gave them the, the rates every day and one of the the older guys actually kept his old uh rate sheets that were on paper he brought one out one day and he slapped it up on the refrigerator and it was like 18 percent for like a 30-year fix and i was like oh my lord that's might have been like late 90s or something like that i can't remember when it was mm-hmm. but, um, it might have been might have been even earlier than that but it was i was amazed to see an 18 percent. now people are freaking out because they're getting up into the five percent range because they've been spoiled for the last couple of years i know right it's like all in perspective it's like okay you have no yeah. idea what it was like back in the day so yeah then and, and then they act like it's they also act like it's impossible to get a loan now because 
you know, they've tightened up on things. Cause like, when you buy your house, you said in 2003, mm-hmm. it probably wasn't as tough. I got an 05 and then that's, that's sort of when, sort of when everything started shifting. Right. And then like an 07, somewhere around there, um, everything got real chaotic and they were like, we better start asking people for documentation and proving that they can pay for their house. You get a loan. So, I don't know what you went through, but yeah, then they got real tight and now they're sort of, you know, there's a pendulum that goes on with it. So but yeah, whatever. I mean, if you're getting a few hundred thousand dollars, you better be able to prove that you can pay it back is the way I look at it. Right. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. that's definitely a huge difference. I don't know. Do you hear a lot of people talk about or get concerned with the interest rates creeping up that there's going to be some sort of housing crash at the same time? Like, cause higher interest rates were something that was synonymous in, you know, like the 2000, I guess five, six, seven, when things were getting higher and the market was active. Um, have you ever, have you talked to anybody about that yet? No, um, I, I think the difference now is that their their uh, loans that we made people uh, truly show that they could pay them back. <laughs> That's the big difference. Rates doesn't matter what rates are. I mean, rates were high in the past, right? So people weren't defaulting like they were because you only qualified up to a payment that you could afford to pay back. Um, whereas now, the the problem with the rates going up now might be, and, and this has been said, that uh, the first time home buyers are going to start siphoning off because they're a lot of times they're right on the line, like not qualifying and you know the last couple of weeks um we've seen quite significant jumps in the rates and that might just put those people over to where now they're either going to have to you know buy the house that's cheaper um and still make the same payment that they were hoping to have made a few weeks ago in another house so that that the, the big thing is the first time home buyers are going to drop off anyone um who's bought in the past they know they they've seen it it is what it is obviously you want a, a lower rate but um as long as they can still afford it and we can verify everything and, and prove that they are eligible to be able to carry this mortgage. I don't think you're going to see uh, any sort of housing problem like we had back in 2007 and eight. That's just, it's different. It's different loans that have been given out recently. So it'll slow things up, I'm sure. But, you know, and if I had a, but if I had a crystal ball and I could tell you what was going on, I wouldn't be sitting here with you because I'd be a billionaire somewhere right. on an Island. And yeah, I'll sell your house right. there. Anything can change. Anything can change. Right. Right. So, you know, with, with the stuff that's going on in the, the world right now, I think it's pushed the rates uh, to worsen more quickly than they originally. There's always been a plan to to get them up a bit, you know, but they've been just jumping pretty quickly. And then they're, they're, I think they potentially might have another five or six um, Fed rate hikes throughout the year. Uh, so we'll see what those do. Sometimes you'll see a, a knee jerk reaction when they when they increase them uh, for a few days and it might settle down a little bit. But um, it's trending upward, which is probably going to be better for us in the long run. So would it be safe to say that, and this is just, you know, some people need to know the why. They, all they see is the number, and then that creates drama in their head. Um, but one of the reasons why the rates are going up is because we also have inflation. And so the government needs to put a little bit more of a tax on people and tax quote unquote, a little bit more of a penalty on people to borrow. So it becomes a little more expensive to borrow. Is that fair? I mean, because there is a correlation. I would, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, anytime you, you know, the rates were real low because the market was, was poor for a while and uh, just, just just want to keep making people the ability to still buy houses and and maintain some sort of, uh, you know, normal life whereas you know it's, it's got to start coming back up at some point so we can kind of level everything off because we just can't keep printing money like they have been and 
Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's huge. <laughs> people could see this because your reaction was awesome. <laughs> it's not being recorded. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Yes. Right. We have been printing yeah. money for years, mm -hmm. essentially, and mm -hmm. to help people. But now it's like, all right, we. It'll catch right. up. It'll catch up. Right. Absolutely. So, um, you said something about the the first time home buyer being affected, and it's. Mm -hmm. I think there's a misnomer out there, and Pam, I don't know if you've heard it. I know I've heard it. Um, that they can't afford a first time home buyer right now cannot afford to buy a house, mm -hmm. and I think that that that's a that's one of the misnomers out there. Oh yeah, no, they definitely yeah they can. I mean, it's competitive as heck, you know, well, but. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the thing. There's two things. Um, oftentimes, the new buyer takes a little bit longer. Whereas last year, who cares if you took a few months to kind of get settled and learn some things and try to figure it out? Like now, a lot of first-time home buyers come in and they're like, "All right, well, what can we qualify for?" And you you tell them one thing, and then they're kind of you know gathering their documentation, trying to get things ready, and they're trying to figure out, get comfortable with the process, and understand what they're getting themselves into. And you show them numbers side by side, different programs and different grants and things. And then the next thing you know, the rates jumped like on them in like two weeks. And like, oh, well, we now we can't buy that, you know, $250,000 house. Now we're down to 230. And I think that's where some people think, hey, they're not going to be able to, you know, qualify for something. Just because the rates are going up um, doesn't mean you're not going to qualify. And, and like Pam said, the competitiveness out there is you can't sit anymore. So the first time home buyer, it's a little scary. Like you just got to kind of jump right into it and just, all right, we got to put an offer in now. Or we're going to miss out um, just because there aren't. The available houses, especially in that first-time homebuyer range, so it's not a it's not a matter of them not being able to buy. It's just harder for them to get something to buy because usually, you, you know, your first-time homebuyer, you want your sort of starter home. You're not trying to become house poor right away, right from the right from the get-go. Yeah, so it's not any harder to qualify for them. Yeah, there's some more restrictions, but there's no difference as far as what we look at um, compared to last year. It's just a matter of what's available to them at this point. In fact, there's a few more, you know programs out there with grant money and whatnot if you've got uh, income below certain uh, county income restrictions like you can get some community home or home community uh, programs that would give you some some money towards a, towards a down payment or closing costs along with any of the you know sort of Virginia housing programs which allow you to do 100% financing and stuff so that all that stuff's still there it's just hard to find a house and then and then Sometimes maybe the sellers look at that as a first time home buyer, you know, getting all these additional things. It's not this, as safe as the person who's going to come in with 20% down or even sometimes 50% down, let alone compared to all the cash buyers that are, that seem to be creeping up a lot more lately. I know these cash buyers are going crazy. Yeah. So, we, so a lot of people would look at that. You think it's better to do like a 50% down, down payment. I mean, cause they can always change at any time, right? Like throughout the loan process. Well, I mean, if you can do it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't make, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, first time home buyers, if you're going to be, if you're a first time home buyer and you're coming in with a lot of money, don't even bother with those first time home buyer programs because they're any good right, for you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pointless. Go with the better, the better lower rates with, with the conventional um, stuff. But it's just most first time home buyers are looking for some sort of assistance or zero down or at least low down. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of the, some of the programs are going to be a little different too, such as like maybe FHA that sometimes sellers get a little nervous because there might be some repair requirements, you know, and they're not willing to, or they don't even have to now. Why would you even, why would you pay for anything right now to be repaired in your house when there's another offer who said, I'm a, I don't want an appraisal and I don't even want an inspection. Yeah. That's where the, that's where the problem comes in. 
Yeah. That's exactly what we were talking about earlier. Is yeah, everybody's just like waving everything and stuff. And like I've had a couple offers getting beat out. And so like with you, like with a buyer, how many like pre-approval letters do you have to write for somebody? You know, like in, in this market right now. You oh, know, like, it's, it's it's so frustrating. Whereas before, you're like, great, got a, got an app in there, qualified. We'll write one letter and they get the yeah. house. Now it's weekend after weekend. We're writing pre-approval letters, and and you almost just want to be like, now nah, you got to stop and think. Don't go in at list price. You're just wasting everybody's time because you're not going to get in at list yeah. price. Maybe some of the higher end houses, you know, out is out a little further, a little more rural, might be okay. But uh, any of the real competitive um, price ranges, no, it's it's you've got to go in over and and maybe give up some stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening in this market. I'm at, I have clients that are like, okay, we, want, we have a certain amount we want to go to. We want appraisal, we want a home inspection, we want do 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 do, and then the second house like. Let's go over budget, no appraisal, no home inspection. No, I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's just, it's insane. Uh, yeah, sometimes they learn after after a few failed attempts, yeah. they start getting a little more desperate and they're like, all right, well, I guess we yeah, have to. Yeah, that's the market, that's you what it, call, yeah, it calls for right now, so. And sometimes like the younger the younger uh, people buying, their friends bought last year and it was pretty easy, right? They got, or, or even two that's years ago when, when they were, all their closing costs were being covered by the, the sellers uh-huh. were, you know, you barely had to, to closing with anything, right. right? And now they're like, oh, our friend said it was great. And we got all this and that. And then, and then they get out there and they're like, oh, this is much more difficult, much more frustrating than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Now the buyers are paying the sellers closing costs. We were just talking about that earlier too. It's just crazy. All the different things that. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I've seen that happen. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's yep. great. But what that means is you need cash. <laughs> and I think that's. You need cash. That, that's the challenge. Younger, unless you've got. Yeah, if you're younger, it's tougher unless you've got mom and dad who are able to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got a couple of buyers with parents who are willing to help out, but still even then, like, you know, it's still tough. And even if you're going in pretty strong, there's hopefully you're the strongest <laughs> because sometimes there's still really, you know, really strong offers that are going crazy, crazy high over over the listing price. And I've seen a few, I've finally started to see uh, a couple uh, low appraisals come in oh. here and there. So that's, that means renegotiating and is the seller going to give up uh, anything or are they just going to, you know, stand firm and put it back on the market. And then, the, the you know, that's going to, that rates are going to be a problem again for, for the next round. So I figure it's better to negotiate it than, than put it back on the market and have wasted 30 days. Right. That's true. Yeah. I was wondering if you'd seen any appraisals come in lower recently. Yes, I had, uh, let me see here. So I think it was a like two ninety nine nine sales price. Um, and then the, and it was a VA and the value came in at, uh, like two seventy two or something mm-hmm. like that. It was, it was quite yeah. low. And then the next week I had another one that came in almost 20 grand low. Ouch. Yeah. Both, both around the 300 range. Okay. So Pam or Nick, I'll toss it to either one of you. Have you been able to successfully negotiate a different price from an appraisal ever? Have you been, or do you? Oh have- yeah, both of those, both of them closed, both of them closed. We just renegotiated the, the price. So one of them might've had uh four or $5,000 seller concession initially up front. They um, met somewhere in the middle of the price and the, and the girl was able to come up with the, the extra money and they wait and then they waived the uh, seller concession. Mm. So she ended up, you know, it was, I think it was a USDA product and we ended up renegotiating and, and might've went from needing six grand to like 12, mm-hmm. something like that. But um, you know, it, it's either that or she start from scratch and, and uh, right. 
the rates are putting, you know, one and a half percent higher than it was when we locked in a little while ago. So it's, it's better to, you know, we, of course, at that, that point, we did a comparison of, hey, here's what it is. Here's what it would look like if we went with the current market rate on this same sales price. Um, and you could see it was a huge difference. Just it was much better to take stay where you were, come up with the extra money if you have it mm-hmm. versus dropping it and then starting from scratch and maybe not finding right. a house, right? Because she'd been looking for three or four months and finally landed one. Yeah, because even at that price, um, that's tough to find with that price yeah. range right now. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Very tough. Very tough. Have you ever gotten, an or has any of, any of you gotten an appraiser to change their... I did. Uh, yeah, that's... I did one time. Yeah, this is before all this happened or whatever. This is like probably, probably like three years ago and stuff, and it was a USDA loan. And yeah, this appraiser came in like, I want to say like 50000 low. And I'm like, what comps are you doing? So we had to go through it. It's a whole... I, mean, I had to get more comps and show them this and show them what was in there what was it and they we, we she didn't come all the way up you know but we did like meet a little more more above the middle and stuff so you can i mean if something doesn't appraise you can yeah there, there's a process we've got we've got a form that we have uh the listing agent fill out and then they they'll attach comps to it then they'll then it, you know and then they can make notes of why they think certain value should be given to certain aspects of the house and um I, we've seen them come up I've, I've seen them you know anywhere between come up maybe five grand or even just a couple grand, if it's a couple grand short all the way, you may maybe, maybe even getting 10 or 15 more out of yeah. it. Cause maybe there was a comp that just came on that they might've missed if they three days ago, they might've done the report and now one's one's fresh, you know, that sort of stuff. But yeah, no, it's, it's possible. It, you know, it's less likely that you'll get everything back out of it. Right. But you can, it, it, it's definitely worth attempting it. And I've seen them completely go, no. Yeah. And a lot of times, I think if it's a really busy market, you'll you're more likely to see it just say mm-hmm. no because just, they got to move on to the next thing, which is sad. But yeah, yeah. There's so many doing. We don't have any control over that. That's that third party thing that right. we're all subject to that we don't really have control over. Right. So let me ask you: When I was in 2003, when I was shopping around to buy the house, I was telling Pam this earlier. I think the the rates were somewhere around the sevens, but there were additional products. There were additional products that you could look at if you needed an initial lower payment. I'm thinking, I just remember talking to my loan officer. Hey, option arm? Yes, the arm. I remember it was, yeah. there was a five. Dead. Well, there's the arm. Yeah. Yeah, there's the arm and there's a pay option Okay. Arm. The arm is just like you're set for five years. Uh, and then it become, yeah, and then it become, and then it, it adjusts every, depending on your margins and all, all that stuff. Uh It'll adjust like every year. It can only adjust up so high or or so low. Um, but when you're saying like you've got different payment options, that's the pay option arm, which um, as far as I know has been eliminated because it was <laughs> shady as can be if you ask me about it. Because people ended up, yeah, you'd, you'd end up uh, negative amortization on your your house and then you'd owe more than you started with. Yeah. Because people were like, oh, I'll just make this, this minimal payment, which didn't even meet the interest. Oh, my God. So then you end up owing more on it. And that's just, yes. so I, there might be some places out there that will start offering it again. I, I don't know anything about it. I hope not to see it. Uh, Cause that's a lot of those, a lot of those programs were a lot of the problem with mm-hmm. um, the crash years ago, right? Those and um, some of the, just the, the stuff, just giving people houses that clearly weren't going to be able to pay. Yeah. That's like going into a car dealership and saying, okay, so I really want this Escalade, but my payment can only be X. And then they negotiate with you and then figure it out. And then, you know, you figure out a year later, you're actually upside down. So they've done whatever yeah. magic. Well, I think most cars, you're upside really? down. Unless unless you're doing like a three-year loan, <laughs> you're upside down, right? 
yeah, you're, it's going to be hard to catch up on a car. But yeah, that's that's basically what happened with the. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't even just um, the values changing. That was just your loan amount going up <laughs> and not and not coming down as it yeah. should. That's the part of closing. I always tell them to look away. The amortization chart that you just talked about, you're showing the interest, what you really will pay for the house that you're buying. And I'm like, just look away at this part. Don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> look yeah. away, right? Yeah. I don't want to see then, this. Uh, you know, how many title, how many title companies are like, put this thing on your refrigerator and mark them off as you yeah. go. <laughs> and then uh, you, if you make one additional $50, you know, payment towards principal, that whole thing's worthless because then it changes the whole right. thing. And then you got to re- refund, which is, I mean, whatever. I mean, it just shows you how much you're paying each month. And you can, but it's nice to, to gauge. As you start, you're mostly paying interest, and by the time you get done, even though a payment's the same, it's flipped over at some point to mostly principal. So it, it, that's when you kind of realize oh, I'm getting close. Finally, I'm getting right. close. As I'm now thirty plus years older, right. you're ready to sell the house, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Or retire and move to Florida. Mm-hmm. So, do you advise people, or uh, do you talk about that? You said something about paying an extra payment or paying more. Um, I just saw a post from a friend of mine, actually, and she was talking about how just like an extra $20 in your payment can make a huge difference in the life of the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, yeah. And then there's, you know, I always say if you, if you can, um, I usually tack on just if my payments, you know, whatever I say, maybe if, if and that's another thing that comes in, which is cool because of the, the summary sheet form that we use, you can do a side by side comparison and you, uh, here's what your payments really going to be and if you want to make an extra 50 or 100 bucks payment every month it'll it'll show you how much interest you'll save over the life alone how many years will knock off the back end yeah that's that's pretty straightforward just just make it a little bit extra will will save you in the long run um but it also comes down to how long you're going to be in the house most people i think i think seven years right now is like the average um so why especially with you know if if values continue to go up um I mean, maybe, yeah, you're knocking off some of it, but you're not knocking off a huge chunk in seven years, unless you're really, unless you're really making extra payments per month. So, but yeah, no, it's definitely, it definitely helps. Um, and I think if you, if you make like a one extra full payment a month and not, you know, depending on certain things, uh, credits, they're not credit scores, but rates and balances, it'll, you know, knock off years off the back end of your loan. Too. That's what I've heard. You pay one extra like mortgage a year or something, knocks off like seven years. Like make like, thir- yeah, like make 13 payments yeah. mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. You'll yeah. And I, d- I definitely think that that's good, especially if it's your forever home and you literally did get a 30 year mortgage right. or whatever. Right. Then you're yeah. knocking off a ton and it's not just, you know, you might not see it in your interest payment unless you refinance, but you're going to see it when you, let's say your daughter or son goes to college and hey, you're not paying on that house anymore. You've, you've managed to pay it off early or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. So I think that, I think that's yeah. good. You know, anything to say, anything to save money and, and make the, the long-term investment for you better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some people say, hey, I want to see um, a 15-year payment, a 20-year payment, and a 30-year payment. The 15 years always going to have a pretty significantly lower rate than on your 30-year. But 20-year sometimes is maybe an eighth difference. And I'll say, hey, well, if you're comfortable making the 20-year payment, maybe just take the 30-year and, and make the 20-year payment um, because that you know, if it's only an eighth difference in rate, maybe then you have, maybe you've got a, a rough month or two, you can always just make that 30 year payment and then continue to go back to do the 20, but all depends on, on your goals and what you're comfortable with. So you got to give everybody kind of multiple options so they can see what's going to best suit their needs. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'm not doing my job. I just, <laughs> not, not everybody fits the 30 year requirement. 
it's the it's like the most commonly used of course because it gives you like the, that sort of longer longer term therefore your lower payment but uh it might not be it might not be for everybody so how do you like to work with your buyers so let's say that pam or myself or whomever sends you somebody who that they've been working with so what's your uh how do you build that relationship what does that conversation look like and how do you get them in a good position so that they understand what their financial strength is yeah so you a lot a lot of times um and this is sort of the modern area right like uh, there are, i like to i like to meet with clients in person if i can uh, or at least by phone but there are, it's a whole new generation of coming up uh, like people who like can't get the phone out of their hand but they can't get the phone to their ear yeah, text <laughs> so text. it's all yeah. Email, yeah. Right? what is your voice i don't know yes <laughs> exactly so um it, it really I, it, it depends on the on the buyer right and i and i like to depend on the agent to kind of say hey this person is needs a little more handholding let's try to get them uh in person or at least maybe a zoom something like this we can sort of see face to face uh, but I, I, no matter who it is, is I've always got sort of the same, same questions for them. Like, uh, cause if I don't know anything about them, then it's, you know, kind of where do you want to buy? Cause that might determine what kind of loan programs are available to them. Such as if they're Virginia, that would be some of the Virginia housing stuff for first time home buyers. Uh, same with like Maryland, um, DC, you know, that sort of thing. So where do you want to buy? Um, how much do you are you comfortable with for your total monthly payment? That's going to include HOAs, taxes and insurance, uh, principal, interest, all that stuff. So I can say, all right, well, if you want to be here, here's the type of loan program we're going to be. Here's sort of the sales price that you're going to max out at. And then I ask, if you have to come up with money for a down payment or closing costs, how much are you comfortable with coming out? Because then that's going to, again, help me lead to what sales price is going to be. Uh, they're going to be eligible for. So yeah, I need a little bit of both of the, the money out of pocket in, in the monthly payment comfort level so I can then determine what's going to work for them. And then once we start looking at numbers, um, they might go, all right, we want to be the three. I'll say, hey, we need to be at 300 to keep your comfort levels available to you. But you are eligible to go higher if need be. And some of them might get out there and find nothing available at 300,000. Uh, and then they go, all right, well, we got to push it a little bit. And I say, all right, well, we do have wiggle room to do that. So I'd prefer to go for the comfort level for everybody first, just to, so that they're sort of, all right, this isn't going to be too stressful. Mostly it's just about comfort with everybody and uh, being available when they call, like, you know, uh, if, if you need something from me at, at night, um, I'll text, I'll email my, my, once my kids go to sleep, my wife works nights. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to sit around. I watch, watch Netflix and keep my laptop on my lap. That is huge that you touch on that because, because yeah, I mean, I'm calling you all the time or texting like, Nick, I need another one. And you know, it's got to be there with the offer. Yeah, which is which is great. When technology is really technology has made things crazy easy now. Like where before, I was like, hey, I'll be at home in a couple hours. I'm at a soccer game. Whereas now, I just go to my app and I'm like, ding, 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 and I spit out a you know just emails a pre approval letter to people. Um, now, if you need to get a little more detailed, like, hey, this house is a little higher. I might ask, hey, give me a few hours before I can get back to the computer to really crunch some numbers. So you're talking about rates and stuff like that. Like a couple weeks ago, they've gone up since then. You're saying like like. Oh, how much they've gone up? Uh, I don't know. Maybe like I'm trying to think. So I just quoted someone that was like a half a percent higher since what is it? So the sixth today, maybe like three weeks ago, something like that. Yeah. And I mean, every day, like when I, yesterday was 
terrible. Like I sent you a text yesterday. Everybody's like, hey, look how bad everything is. And then today I remember, and, and then again this morning, I was like, oh, it's another bad day. And then by the time I got, so I sent you the text and then by the time I get over, I um, I got here to the office, it was, had turned around. So so when I, like if I send you those screenshots, it's in the red, it means it's negative. That means the, the rates are going up because the market's getting worse, right? So uh, when I, when I, when it's in the green so it's like in an hour it turned around from really bad to like a decent decent positive right so it's it every day is a little bit different but it's trending for the worse there might be some days where it's a little bit better than others but i mean in the long in the long run it's going to get just continually keep getting worse so you hear the big like the big moments when the fed announces they're raising rates um and that's periodically but this but you said Every day is a little bit different. So how does that, how does it work? Oh, so the market's always flowing. It's always moving, you know, depending on, so like if sometimes you can kind of see, hey, the stock market's doing really well. That means the bond market's not selling as, as much. And that means the rates are going to get a little, the mortgage rates will get a little bit worse. Um, so, it, so it's constantly on the move, depending on what's going on in the world market, depending on what's going on in the stock market. Um, so there might be, most days, it's going to be the, the, the same rate offered throughout the whole day. The next day, it might be the same rate available to you, but internally, the pricing had changed a little bit. So, which means like our investors aren't going to either give us the same amount, uh, or they might give us a little bit more, or they're going to give us a little bit less for that particular rate. That's a whole bunch of complicated stuff that real estate agents don't need to know. <laughs> no, but so it's it's always flowing. Yeah, so it's always flowing, uh, and then um, there might be like some days where I get a notification that says, "Hey, rates are suspended." And they'll say generally for the worse or generally for the better, which means there could be a, a in the middle of the day, you'll see the rate drop or improve, improve uh, significantly versus just a little bit. Like it might just be a sudden, like, especially if it's the worst, they'll send us a, a notification. Um, you might see, like we've seen sometimes, gosh, I think one time they changed the Fed rate and in one day the rate changed by like three quarters of a percent uh, for the worse. That hasn't, hasn't been that bad in a while, but that, those are the sorts of things that can change all the time. So. Um, and when you had mentioned, I think you might've mentioned points. So, uh, this could be, uh, you know, kind of adding on to what I'm saying. So when the investors, uh, buy a service, buy the servicing from, from us, right. They're, uh, you know, that's like a par price. That's where that's your like zero point quote when they say, what's your rate? Now, are there any points associated with that? No, that's, I don't typically get into, um, mortgages with points unless someone's, you know, got the, the money to buy it down. So essentially you've heard pay a point and get a lower rate, right? So it can actually work the opposite. You can actually bump the rate if you want and get a lender credit back. That's because uh, to go down in rate, the investor has to charge more for that rate because a lower rate means they don't have as much of a return, right? Whereas if you go up in rate, they're getting paid a little bit more. So they're, they're more willing to give us, um, buy that servicing from us for, for more. So we can turn around and actually give that uh, additional funding that we get from the sale to the buyer to help with closing costs. So that's, so that's something where you get into, uh, you know, I asked someone, what are you comfortable with? Are you okay with um, this payment? If we go up in the rate a little bit, but we help you with a lender credit towards closing costs. So it just works the opposite. You want to go down in rate, you can buy the rate down. You want to go up in rate, you can actually get money back. That makes sense. <laughs> that's sort of the simplified version of it. And, th and that's what you should do. I don't, I don't try to give people advice on, you know, making offers on houses. I'm like, that's we leave that to you. Cause I don't want to have to deal with that. <laughs> I don't know how you deal with driving around buyers all the time, especially in this market, just knowing that this is like a, 
one in 10 chance that you might actually get to put an offer in that's going to be accepted on that house, right? So what do you, Nick, what do you tell somebody who says, you know what, I think I'll just wait until the rates go down. What do you tell somebody then? Uh, wishful thinking. <laughs> I know everyone thinks because they were low, they're just going to go down again. I mean, how long did it take to get that low? I mean, it was years before. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a slow progression. So it's going to slowly go up for a little while. And then maybe we'll have a problem and then I'll have to slowly put them back down again. So, I mean, if they want to wait, two mm -hmm. things are happening. The rates are going up and values are going up. So good luck to you. Have fun with that. And I, and I, and I usually don't like to, I mean, even if someone goes under contract, I'm like, let's just lock now because tomorrow could be way worse. And if you're on the line, let's just play it safe. And if it does come down later on, you know, if it, if it drops enough, we do have some float down options. We can go back to the invest and say, Hey, we've got, so much of a market improvement. Are we, are we able to get a float down? And they'll, they'll look at it and go, all right, yeah, we can we can float it down. They might not match current market, but they might meet somewhere in the middle. So um, there there is always that if the market does improve significantly. Now, if you have it locked in, then you just lock in at the current rate, whatever it's better. But once you've locked in, I'd rather lock it up just to get it done. I don't want right? to have that conversation like, well, we tried and then you know we tried to play it. And now you're, you're worse off. And granted, I, I usually don't lock unless they've given me the permission to, because ultimately it's the buyer's, the buyer's uh, choice, the borrower's choice. So. Right. Because really, I mean, it's like real estate too. We can't do anything. We are service professionals. You know, we are really taking our direction and using the expertise as an extension of them, but we can't make the decision. Right. But they've ultimately got to make that decision. Yeah. So there are a ton of myths out there. And I think one of them is I have to be rich to own real estate. What do you what do you say to that? No, no. I mean that's that's where all those first time homebuyer programs come into. You know, you got to start somewhere. And I think another one is you have to have cash. No, I think sometimes like that that's I hate to say it, but like maybe those are just people who are bitter about where they are and or don't understand like how the, you know what's available to people out there. Yeah, grand. You've got to have money if you're gonna. Yeah, if you're gonna buy investment properties, you've got to have some money. But that's where a lot of people often start with their first primary house, and then they hold on to it, um, and then either uh, you know they rent it out, and then they and they go buy a new primary, and then they kind of start building equity that way. And then maybe they sell one, and they can end up buying two. You know, you sort of just gotta just gotta play with what's gonna work for you. But it's you don't have to be rich to own real estate. I mean, it helps. Money always helps, of course, but. Um, and granted, if you've got a lot of money, you're going to get ahead more quickly, but it doesn't mean it's, you know, necessary to be the rich guy to get richer. And there are programs, you don't have to put down 20% either. No, 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 no. Yeah, 0%. Now, yeah, your minimum on an investment's 15%. In most cases, I mean, there might be some, some banks or credit unions that might have portfolio loans that they keep in house that allows for less, but generally like the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, minimum is 15% on investment properties. Your mortgage insurance isn't very nice, but uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's doable with 15% and, and, and uh, zero options for first time buyers. And even so you don't have to be, a, you don't have to be a first time home buyer for some of the rural housing programs. As long as you don't own a house, you can buy a rural house like with USDA for zero down. And it's got, they've got better rates than any of the other first time home buyer programs and better mortgage insurance. So that's a great program. Uh, but you can only buy primary. So that's where the thing is. Usually it's primary or second homes that allow for the, the lower down payment options. 
So what is you? I've never used USDA. What is USDA? Can you unpack that just a little bit? It's a, a rural development program. So it, it's restricted okay. to certain areas of of uh, each state, certain counties. And so it's it's all over the, all over the United States. But like say in Virginia, um, Spotsy would be a good place. Some of Stafford, and once you get into Orange, you know, and, and once you, like once you get down towards Richmond, you're going to see. So if you ever go onto the map, the USDA map. And you pull up, mm. let's say, the Richmond area, you're going to see a big, like, orange space around Richmond where it's not going to be eligible, but you get outside of certain certain miles away from the, you know, or the perimeter around the city, you're going to start seeing eligible for USDA financing. And that's more rural properties. And that changes periodically as, as you know, the population grows, too. Gotcha. Is it, is first time home buyer, are FHA loans available anywhere? FHA, yes. Location? And that's not FHA, a, yes. a regular straight FHA is available to everybody all over the place. Okay. That's that, but that's a okay. primary purchase only as well. Primary. Right. right. Got it. But you do use okay. it, you don't necessarily have to use it. It's more, you know, if you've got some credit issues and, and higher debt ratios, but I would push you to FHA. But that's available everywhere. But there are versions of like the Virginia Housing FHA program which is only Virginia, right? Um, but there's different versions, like a conventional version is an FHA version. And that's where you can kind of, that's where you kind of connect a, a, a conventional or an FHA first with the Virginia housing second. So they get tied together to give you hundred percent, but those are limited. There's like a, uh, you know, there's a Maryland version of that. Most states have their sort of version of that. Pam, did I remember, did you have a property at one point that you fell out because of that yeah it was like fha and so we didn't realize that going into it and we made an offer we got the offer accepted and everything and sent it to the um loan officer and they're like oh you're outside the bubble i'm like what bubble are you talking about i had no idea so yeah you mean like it was it like a like a usda option and then it, they yes. found out it was it was it was right it wasn't rural enough. yeah Right. right. Well, yeah, it was like the price difference was, or it's like, or it was called Orange County area. Like you just talked about oh, Orange and you're, the you're price probably talking was... about, yeah. So like, you're, yeah, there's caps. So certain counties yep, have there's a cap. uh, sales price caps. Yes. Yep. So you were over that. Yeah. I've, I've had that happen before where I've written pre-approvals for these, for clients and they're looking in like Spotsy and then suddenly they're like, Hey, I need a pre-approval letter. And, and they don't really, you know, they don't give the address to you. Just you, you know, stupidly assume they're in Spotsy and then they end up in Carolina and then you get it. You're like, oh, wait, your sales price is too high. So then you get a like, hey, here's the other options we got to work on. So then you get, as long as you've got an out, then it's all, it's all good. I mean, sometimes it's not as good as the one you started with. But so when you when you are um, working with your clients, just make sure, of, hey, if we're going to put an offer in it, I like to have the address um, for every house that I want to offer. Because, uh, well, two things, I want to I want to make sure it's, you know, in the proper location. Um, and I want to run numbers on it. So once you, you know, once you get the offer, you're, you're already ahead of it and you already know what it's going to look like. And the HOA, like you talked about earlier, HOA, that can be a big thing that can, you know, sway someone out and stuff. So it's good to know that, how much the HOA yeah. is. Yeah, because so. suddenly you've, you're, you're on the line and then you find a house with the HOA and you didn't yep. let Boom. your lender know, then, then you got a problem. Yeah. So I just have a couple of more questions. This one, I had a... Um, I had a buyer who was very resistant on uh, getting a pre-approval or pre-qual letter um, because they didn't want the credit pull. Their credit was good and they didn't want the credit pull. What you what do you say to buyers who are concerned about a credit pull? I'm like, if you want to look at houses, I, I can almost guarantee you, especially in this market, that uh, agents are going to want to at least be able to get a pre-approval letter. And I'm not issuing you a pre-approval letter without pulling your credit. That's not going to happen. Right. Um, so it's, it's just, 
it's part of the deal. If you want to buy a house, someone has to look at your credit, make sure that it's okay. Because how many times, I don't know, I can't count. My credit's great. I'm like in the mid 700s and I pull it and it's like low 600s. I'm like, you've got collections on here. Well, they're so old. I didn't think they were bought, you know. Plus, you've got to take into consideration you're looking at consumer reports from some clients who might be getting their scores through Credit Karma or their credit card is giving them scores. It's a completely different model. Um, the consumer one, I believe, is from like it's on a scale of like 450 to 950. And that doesn't mean all three bureaus fall directly on that line. but They hover around that where the mortgage one's 300 to 850. So no matter what, your scores are always going to be lower on a mortgage one. But then our tier structure is set. So we're like 740 is kind of where we want to be for the best rates. Whereas if it was on a consumer report, it might be 800 that you're looking for. Right. So um, mm -hmm. sometimes people like when they say I have good scores, it's because they're getting a consumer report and things are also looked at a little bit differently on those reports. Um, the, the mortgage ones looks at a whole a more range of things. Um, and then, you know, some people don't even know that. I don't know how many times it happens as well, or um, a medical collection pops up and they don't know about it because mm -hmm. it happened behind the, you know, behind the scenes with the uh, the insurance companies. And then suddenly they've got, even if it's 45 bucks, it still hits your scores pretty heavily. So, but I, I always say, hey, I mean, I can run numbers for people assuming that certain scores, but I'm not giving a pre approval letter. And I'm sure you don't want to drive around with somebody who isn't willing right. to take that extra step because you don't want to waste your weekend or your night for someone who's not willing to get their credit score pulled and they're going to have to. And, and also you're, you, you've got a few week window where you can have your credit scores pulled by multiple mortgage companies so you can shop without being dinged. Right. So then once you get beyond a certain yes. period, then it will start dinging you. Right. But if they want to shop around, then they, they have the ability to. Yeah. So a couple, so within two or three weeks, they can have it pulled a couple of times and not hurt it anymore. Yes, right. Yeah. Okay. I would suggest I try to keep to it all that. within like a yeah. Try to keep it within like a week if possible. Um, okay. And then sometimes you know why I say a week because sometimes if, if I pull it and then the next person pulls it uh, two weeks later, something else in between could have thrown it off, right? Uh, you mm -hmm. know, uh, maybe that maybe a balance on their credit card went up above the thirty percent or fifty percent line, and now now their scores have changed, and then they blame us for pulling the credit. Where it's like it's it's it, your credit right. score is always moving. It's always moving, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So lastly, can you talk about the difference between like a rocket mortgage, a cap center, uh, and a local lender? I think it's all about service. Always service. I mean, how, how, you know, I don't really know much about rocket other than it's like, you know, it's a big name. And uh, people are like, I'm gonna go to Rocket Mortgage so I can get an instant proof. Yeah, so what you fill, it's just like Navy Fed. You can fill it out online, and you can, it'll spit out a letter. It says you're you're pre-approved for X amount. Well, no one's reviewed it yet, right? So um, I think it's about service. And like I, I, you know, some of those places you might call in. It might be a call center, and you talk to a different person every time. Whereas locally, it's me. You're gonna talk to me. I'm, I'm I have the same notes. I have the same access. I don't have to like go refamiliarize myself with the entire file. Sometimes after a couple months, you might be like, "All right, let me check." I remember you. I remember you, this and this and this, but I got to refresh myself on on some things. But it's always gonna be, you know be me. It's, you're always gonna talk to me. So if you need, and that's huge. It is you. Me, yeah, and it's not just nine to five. Yeah, because right? so you and I did a deal just... for like 10 months. It was like 10 months or whatever we had this going on and stuff. And yeah, it was like, I mean, constantly. And it was, you know, intense. Like the, the buyers want to know, run numbers on this, run numbers on that. And it was always you. What an assistant. It was always Nick. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's, it's just so reassuring. 
And sometimes maybe those those places are fine if you're those cookie cutter buyers who just you've got 25, 20, 25% down, you got your 740 credit score, and it's just in and out the door. But first-time home buyers are not gonna want to go through any of those those big companies because they're not gonna get anyone to just sit and chat with them, bring them in. Plus, you can come in, like right. Most of that stuff, you know, who knows where that person is that you're talking to, and they don't know the market as well. Um, and you know, most of the time, like when we go to order appraisals, we've got a, a certain, you know, sphere that we work within and we know those appraisers, you know, I'm not technically myself allowed to just call an appraiser to have one done, but we have approved every appraiser that is on our list within a certain sphere. Once you get out, it is further out states and you kind of got to get a third party involved, which can be a little tricky, but most of the time, all the local stuff is, is appraisers we know. So once they've gotten the appraisal turned back into us, our appraisal team can easily just call them up and say, Hey, what's going on here? You know, when, when are you going to get it back to us if something's late right there? So it's all service. That's all it is, having someone local that you can actually get a hold of and talk to. And like getting to know, you, you know, the two of you, like, you know them and you know what they're comfortable with. And, and maybe you go, so you, maybe you've got a buyer who um, has got maybe a little, I, I don't know, maybe they're a little nervous about some things. And you go, all right, well, so-and-so is a little too brash. Let's send him over to, to Nick. I'm, I'm usually pretty like laid back about things and nothing bothers me. So I'll put up with whatever, um, but what other people might just be too, you know, kind of harsh and like, oh, that, that will work with them. So it's nice to have some people locally that that you can, you know, that you can refer them to versus call Rocket Mortgage. You don't know who you're going to get. Right. That's that's mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. just being able to know the players on the ground. I mean, because if there is and and there always is some sort of well, not always, but there there are hiccups that it happens. And if there's an appraisal shortfall or if there's a home inspection question or if there's a, you know, whatever it is, it, it would be nice to know the people on the ground who, who you're dealing with. Um, yeah. And, and if it's a, you know, a national lender, they have no idea. They're like, well, what appraiser do you use locally? Also, the, the um, stipulations in the contract in Richmond or in well, in Richmond, really, can be different from Northern Virginia. Can be different from yeah, North that, Carolina. I mean, and you need to know Richmond. the parameters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally different. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, just to be able to find like a, a any most of the Virginia ones. I know if I need to put in the contact information to get the appraisal ordered, I'm like you know, page, you know, whatever thirteen or fourteen is right down. And it's there. It doesn't take me a. I don't have to call everybody. Hey, how am I getting a hold of this person? It's, it's I just know where it is. So if you're, yeah, if you're mm-hmm. from out of state and you're not used to, to seeing certain um, contracts, that that alone is crazy helpful. That so you can find all the information necessary. Yeah, because the team. I mean, we're a team working for the person. You have the lender team, Absolutely. your title team, your, your real. Yeah, it's a whole thing. So yep. Yep. you got to work well together. Yeah, teamwork makes a dream work. Yeah, totally <laughs> yeah. There is one. I so. I think this is good because I'm I'm teeing you up for a couple of things that I know. Um, but what are some hiccups that can happen along the process? We can end with this question because I know it's about time. Yeah. What can what can buyers do to impact the process? Be available. And when we ask for something, give it to us uh, because everything if, if we're asking for it, we don't care about your, you know, personal bank statements and what you're spending money on. It's just the law. It's just yeah. it's the it's the it's the guidelines require it. Just give it to us. Don't fight back. Um, it's not you know we're not trying to 
pull anything over on you. We just, it's, if it's part of the program and it requires 60 days worth of your bank statements, get us the 60 days worth of bank statements. Don't redact anything. I don't, I haven't seen it as much as I used to, but people would put permanent marker right over the account numbers as though we were going to, you know, as though a, a financial institution is just going to start going out there with everybody's information. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have access to so much information. If that's what we were doing, it, we would have been shut down a long time ago. So it's all legit. It's all, you know, it's all kept private. Um, it's, we're all regulated in that regard. So uh, if we need something, yes, definitely get it to us. Um, if I say you're pre-approved or pre-qualified, don't go out and buy a car between now and, and buying a house. Everybody knows that one, right? Because they're like, oh, good. Now they'll never they'll never pull my credit again. Well, guess what? We do a, a soft check three or four or five days before right. closing just or to furniture. make sure there aren't any new inquiries. Good. Yes. Yeah. Don't yeah. go but anything. Right. Don't go buy that new fridge on credit. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Don't buy yeah. anything you sign. Then go buy whatever you, you want. <laughs> and I've had people say, hey, I'm, there's a crazy deal going like Memorial Day uh, sale on appliances. If you really think you, you need to save the money, then call me. And we'll talk about it and, and say, hey, what, how much are you going to spend? How much is the payment going to be? If you've got leeway to do so, we might say, hey, yeah, go ahead, right? You know, or if, like someone's car got, an, you know, they got an accident or their car was totaled and now they need a new car. We can say, hey, yeah, you've got plenty of room to, if you got to add a payment to it, right? Just, just, we just got to update the file, which hopefully doesn't, you know, I mean, if you're within a few days of closing, I'd say just wait until after closing. But if it's two weeks and just, Get it done. Get us the paperwork so we can update underwriting and make sure that everything's, you know, being counted as your in your new debt to income ratios. Those are the basics. It's just don't be stupid. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. <laughs> like don't go. And don't don't resign. go doing anything that's going to screw you. <laughs> don't yeah, resign. Don't, yeah, don't quit. I, I, a friend of ours had that happen. The guy person quit their job. Don't they quit a job. Something happened. Yeah, they didn't close, and then weekly. Yep, because yeah. we will do a verification. Uh, some programs five days, sometimes ten days before closing. And we'll call and say, and, and basically all that last verification is, is a processor calling in and saying, hey, does so-and-so work there? Yes. Um, is there a likelihood that they're going to continue working there? Yes. Thank you. And then we're done. Oh, no. He, so-and-so put their two-week two notice in. And you're like, ah, well, I guess, sorry. You know, it's one of those yeah. things. It's either the, the new expensive car pops up or they've uh, quit their job. All right. Well, this has been awesome. This, yeah, yeah. This was so fun. Thanks, Nick. Bye.